Released on Sunday, April 5th, 2015. This Agile Life, episode 79. March! Metaphor! Madness! The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm John Sextro. Joining me on this episode of This Agile Life, we have Lee McCauley. Hey, John. How's it going? It's going very well, Lee. How's it going for you? It is going well. I'm enjoying life. That's good to hear. Yeah. I I don't know what else to say about that. That just kind of closes the book on it. Okay, we're done. Also with us tonight, we have Jason Tice. This would be the fastest episode of This Agile Life ever, because guess what? Lee said we're done. Ship it. Done. (laughs) This is the first thin vertical slice of the show. Or or you know what? I think we, we finally have wised up, and we're just simply going to follow the holy book of Scrum, right? No. No! Oh, geez. Let's go faster. Let's run a sprint. Jason, I heard that something funny happened on the way to gymnastics class for you tonight. Well, or, or something, or something like that. So, okay, so tonight we were talking, and and I just was I, I'm thinking about metaphors this week. I'm, I'm doing a a metaphorical presentation at um at Mile High Agile, which when you guys hear this will be actually will have already occurred. So, but I was thinking, so I was watching. I have kids in gymnastics, and they're young kids. So this is like this is this is like the kid activity gymnastics. It's not progressive. It's not competitive. It's just literally to have fun. And so I sit there and I'm watching. And I'm saying, you know, this to me was a metaphor that I, I pinged Lee and John. I said, hey, I got something to talk about tonight. And it's how teams celebrate. So in the gym, they, they, they got a rope ball. And what they were doing is the group, the class, there's like six people in the class. They all went back to this big, big rope ladder, this big rope. It goes up to from the, the floor of the gym up to the roof. It's like a two story building. So it's probably about 45 feet. You climb up there. And what they started doing, each kid was they they climbed up it one at a time because that's what the rules are. And at when they were cheering each other because there's a bell you can ring at the top. So single you know, flow. Yeah, so everyone's up there. It's like everyone's waiting to take their turn. But what's what I liked, and I said, I said, this is something to talk about is you've got one person doing the work, which is a little kind of like, is that good or not for a team? But what I really liked is you got everybody else around the mat, around the ladder, or the, sorry, the rope net. They're saying, go, ring the bell, ring the bell, ring the bell. And they're encouraging people. I'm like, that's what I, I see teams needing more of. And then they go up and they ring the bell. And then they climb down and then they change turns and someone else's does it and everyone got their turn. And so let, let's start there. So let's take that scenario and, and, and you guys now give me, let's give our listeners some advice. Is that a good thing? Like, so should we, should we all put a bell in our team area and figure out how to ring it? And I don't know, or am I just kind of on fire with metaphors and I should stop talking about this. You know, what's funny about bells was back in 2000, the very first agile project I was on, we were doing XP and right out of the, the XP series of books, like XP explained XP um, uncovered or whatever those all were. One of the, one of the recommendations that they gave was to of course use three by five index cards to have a small like um, recipe box that you would, you would put the cards into when you were done. And as part of a celebration, as you put a card into that recipe box, you put a little, um, service bell there and you would ding the bell when you, uh, when you put a card in there and then everybody would like turn around and be like, Hey, uh, good job. You got a story done. Awesome. Yeah. And to me, it's like the whole classic story, like of Amazon, you know, like where they, they wanted to make, again, they wanted to make their feedback, not only transparent, but they wanted to make an alert mechanism. So again, I like, I like this idea of an audible sound. I mean, I know sometimes in team areas, if you've got like two teams side by side, it's like, that could get annoying. So you got to make sure it works. But I guess what I'm more thinking about is this idea of, and again, in the gym, it's a safety regulation that only one person can climb the net at a time. So maybe that's where the metaphor breaks down and we say, okay, that's a, that's a limitation of what, what are, what's allowed in gymnastics. And we want to encourage people to ring this bell more, or to have a ceremony where we know what the goal is, we're encouraging each other to make progress towards that goal. And when you achieve that goal, yay, let's all celebrate. 
Yeah, I think that especially in teams where you're doing uh, continuous flow, you don't have, you don't necessarily uh, have a moment to kind of take a breath and and review and celebrate what you've completed. So you have to find ways to do that. Like if you get a, if you finish all of the stories for a feature and somebody moves the final story across to say, Hey guys, this is the final story for this feature. Way to go. We got this feature done in scrum. When you have a sprint, when you go and do your demo or you do your, your sprint review uh, or your retrospective of the sprint, maybe you can take a moment there to give thanks. There, that was some a practice that I was using on a particular team that I was involved with that always had a tendency to want to look at the negative side of things and would forget about all of the really good things that they were doing. And when we had a sprint, we had a sprint kickoff meeting. Um, one of the the way I would end each sprint kickoff meeting was to open it up and say. Okay, this is now the time where we can, you know, give someone thanks. And you can do it publicly by saying something or I I found these little thank you post-it notes, pre-printed thank you post-it notes, and you could simply just write a thank you on the post-it note and stick it on the person's desk anonymously or privately or whatever you want it to do. But I do think it's important for teams and for people to take a breath and to remember to celebrate their successes. So I have to say that uh, I'm going to get a little uh, uh, a little deep here. This okay? is Ed Lee. I so, want you to talk because Lee, I don't think you're going to like I think Lee, you're going to tell me to be quiet. So no, Lee, no, no, let's, no, no. let's get deep. Here's the thing is in a in a off the cuff sort of way, I agree with you. But then I also know that my personal my personality doesn't lend itself to that kind of feedback. And I'm not sure if I'm atypical or not. So let me, let me talk about, about how I would react. And when I say I'm going to get a little deep on this, this is going to sound really kind of uh, weird and melodramatic. This is a therapy session for this is a therapy now. session. Yeah. So I think that you do have to do it kind of the way John was talking about where you are rewarding at appropriate times and not all the time, because if you have something like your bell that's ringing every time that you finish a story, then it stops having, having any meaning. It's like, it's like saying, I love you every time you end a conversation with a loved one, you really do love them, but the actual words stop having meaning if you say it all the time. Right. Um, so, so that's, that's, see, that's the part that I was, okay, that's going to get a little deep, but so I think that the, uh, that, that bell thing too often can be the same thing. Well, well, but the question I have then Lee is, and maybe this is life. I, uh, and maybe this is where we can't use five-year-olds as a control group because they seem to be interested every time they go to the gym to want to go climb that net and ring that bell. So. Uh, yes, I, but it's not something that they do every day, two or three times a day. If it was, then it would stop losing its, it would start to lose its, uh, its efficacy. Well, but maybe that's part of the story here. That's the advice we need to give teams is that, I, again, I, I think it, as a, you know, thinking about where, again, we're in, we are in planning crazy mode for the Agile Games Conference coming up in May 2015 right now. And plug, plug, plug. Yeah, plug that. We're going to plug it. We're going to do picks during the show. New, new, new idea. Squirrel. Anyways, um, so we're thinking about this. And to me, it's like I think sometimes games have a bad reputation because they're they're kind of like done the wrong way or they're not introduced correctly. And really, again, what John said is different from what you said, Lee, because what John said is we should be ringing the bell when we get a feature done, which is a big milestone for the team. And it's not going to happen that often. Right. I, and that that's what I said is I think the way John described it is is the way that I would prefer it. And it would, and it's a team celebration, not necessarily an individual celebration. Cause to be honest, that's another thing that I, I may be atypical on that. I really don't want individual praise per se. Um, because I feel like it's, it's whenever I get it, I feel forced and, uh, and then it, it just feels icky. Well, so. that's, that's interesting. It's, it's interesting because I think that, depending on your personality type and even even more than just a Myers-Briggs personality type i think that everybody has 
uh, a different perspective on this. One, one of the guys that, that worked on the same team that I talked about with the giving of thanks, he never wanted to be publicly recognized. And I have a feeling, Lee, that you have a similar outlook on it where you never want to be publicly singled out and recognized. Um, yes. So I, I understand that. And you have to, you have to respect that. You have to honor that. The funny thing about that bell that I mentioned that, that I got and I put there right next to the box was that I rang it one time just to see it, say that it worked and say, here's what we do. We put a card in the box, ding, we ding the bell. No one ever rang the bell after that. Uh, so that was, that's like the end of the story. It was like, well, why didn't anybody ever ring the bell? And I, I wasn't going to like force the ringing of the bell. <laughs> you know, it was just... Um, I don't know. I, no one wanted to gloat, maybe, or or uh, a show off by by ringing the bell. I don't know what it was, but well, to me, I, never, I thought it was a good idea. Well, well or again, if we're talking about it, an agile team, again, this is where trust me. I think there are teams out there that have the, the bells been in place. And I'm even going to propose a, a scenario where I think we've talked about the bell analogy just in a different context here on this agile life. Because what the bell is, is the bell is it's intended to incentivize a specific skill. So hence, you must be able to climb to the top of the rope. If you do, you get to ring the bell. Woo! And everyone else is going to cheer you to achieve that milestone, which I like that aspect. But I could see how, again, Matt, uh, again, uh, John, your your colleagues that you love to talk about, your NBA friends, could take this out of context and say, well, hey, 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 wait a minute. Lee can get up there and he can climb that rope in like two minutes and boom, ring the bell. Jason goes over there and Jason's all messed up and he's trying to climb and he's just not going to get it done. And I think that's where this idea of a team incentive can be taken out of context by people outside the team and used to do bad things. So ringing the bell is a very rudimentary, a, a very child, childlike reward. Well, right. Well, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the 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 cause which allows you to ring the bell. I, I know. So it's saying that it's saying that is it a fair statement if you're on a team to say everyone should be able to have certain a base level certain skill to uh, which is effectively the metaphor of climbing the net to ring the bell. So hey, I'm on the team. I can't climb the net because I'm you know I'm out of shape or whatever, and and so I am really struggling and or maybe I'm never going to be able to climb the net and ring the bell. So should we change the standards like in, in elementary schools well, so that everybody gets a bell rung for them? Okay, but even when Jason life, gets tangled up, bell, 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 bell. Okay, let's, let's, let's put it back. Okay, if I go to the lab tomorrow and I sit down with Lee because I can and sit next to him and say, hey, Lee, let's write some code, okay? Let's explain what's going to happen right there, okay? Because Lee, to your credit, you're going to rock on and do great stuff and I'm going to be there messing it all up, probably saying, oh my gosh, I need Lee. Lee, can you push me up the net? I need some help. I really want to climb this net. I really want to learn. But oh my goodness, am I out of shape, you know? And I think that's where I think that's where sometimes if you have a bell that that's to me where it starts to impose some challenges, which can be counterproductive to having a good team. Well, I, I think there's something else here. I think that at least the situation like John uh, tried to do, the problem was that people had to ring their own bell um, and nobody wants to do that. So so that's the why nobody that's why nobody actually rang their own bell. That seems a little weird. Everybody um, wants their bell rung, exactly. like in the song, Ring My oh Bell. Oh, my exactly. goodness. Ring my bell. I have a ring free plug. By the way, I'm, uh, John is venturing out. John's going to start doing weddings and parties and bar mitzvahs, <laughs> and he's available. He's a great wedding singer, so check him out online. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, okay, but, but back on task. So let me try a different one. So I have a practice that- Oh, you're telling to, me to get back on task? Well, eh, whatever. It's kind of a weird topic. I guess I want to provide some advice. So here's a practice that I recommend that I know people have used. And they've told me personally they felt it provided value to their team. And I think there's a metaphor to the bell here that's maybe a little bit different. So we talk about story mapping, which is the idea of a two-dimensional view of your backlog, where you can see features and you can slice your features out into stories and you can group your stories into releases. And it's all transparent. You can throw it up on the wall or you can put it into a tool. And there's lots of tools that allow you to do it. I've worked with groups where we take the story map and we make it up. We, we make it a poster. We put it on the wall and it's huge. And the ceremony to me that promotes transparency is to say, when we get a story done or we get a feature done in that map, we go over, we put a big red X on it. 
and it can be a team thing. And again, the nice thing I like about that is when you ring a bell, that's a that's a one time source of recognition that then, you know, people stop hearing the bell and it goes away. This idea of a story map when you go over, and you use it as a living artifact. It promotes transparency. And, and again, it's that same thing. It's 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 visible recognition to everyone involved. So you what do vi- we think you about? Can, well, what do you think visibly, about that? You can visibly see some progress going on in terms of here's our map and we've recently added this much and we've we've X'd off this much. So that's progress and we can see that see the map evolving, right? Is that what Yeah, that, yeah. What the well, benefit is or the, well, the incentive? Yeah, and I even say to me one of the incentives is it helps to it helps to manage expectations. So okay, I I'm the evil the evil business person, John, and I walk by and I'm like, oh, is my is my is my team on track? I can see they have work to do. And you know what? Hey, everything we got to do for this release in two weeks is up on the wall there, and we've xed off eight stories, you know. And if anything, put your velo- put your your flow, your velocity up there, and you can say, hey, we're xing off eight stories a day. We got you got four days. We got sixteen more stories. We're on track, you know, and. You can it's a system to enable it, to me. That's that's where this becomes complicated because we're enabling the team to be motivated. We're promoting transparency of what's going on. We're enabling our stakeholders to self-manage their own expectations and allow the team to be self-managing and not involve themselves. So put this way, if we're going to do something to incentivize teams, I would say there's value in this ringing the bell. But I think there's other things we could do that would provide more value. I so. I have to say that I uh, I recently suggested this to something similar to that, uh, Jason, um, to the team I'm working with now, to because they have a big release coming up, and uh, and they've they've mapped out all of the the stories that they expect uh, until the end of that release, and so it seemed reasonable that we could take those and map them onto uh, maybe a a more visual form of that. So it's not necessarily a story map, but it is something that represents uh, completion. That could be, you know, a, a temperature gauge where you have to get up to the top. You know, you've seen these with, uh, with people doing um, fundraisers, right? Or it could be something related to your project, like uh, a car driving down a road and it's trying to reach its, its the city destination. And the road is a certain distance, which is your your stories, right? Listen, listen to Lee go. Lee's having like a metaphor mashup over there. We got like cars and roadmaps, and this is awesome. It's like Lee's on so fire. so I, st- stuff like that. I think can can be really useful uh, to do. Like every day at stand up, just kind of move the car or add something to the to the uh, uh, to the thermostat, right? Well, you know, the one I love, and again, it's this idea because we're kind of, again, we're talking about motivation here and really what keeps people, what keeps people motivated towards an overarching goal. The, uh, the thing I occasionally see is when an, an organization puts the stock price in the elevator, which I love because talk about transparent feedback. It's like, hey, the stock price is in the elevator. It's like, what are you going to do to today to make good decisions to help the stock price go up? It's like, it, it's right there. It's talk about feedback. It's like, ooh, I can see it. Yeah, think- but that's. That's actually a problem because the people involved don't see direct relationship between how good their day went and the stock price. You well, know, that I think that's actually can backfire because I now have zero connection between how well the company is doing and, and what I personally am doing. But long term, though, I mean, because the stock price is something that's again, if you're public, people don't I'm sorry, people don't think long term, well, especially <laughs> especially some some guy taking out the trash every night. Well, but but that's that goes back to what I know Natalie brought it up on our last episode talking about vision, because I think that's where put it. That's where I think the story maps an interesting conversation, because it's a practice that almost it forces you to do some work to have a little bit of a plan that maybe thinks beyond the next immediate release. And I think that's needed because. That's going to force you to think strategically and say, okay, I got this work to do. I know where I got to, I know at the detail level, kind of what I got to do right now. And I got, I got a good idea for what comes after that. And then I've got this overarching goal to raise the stock price. I think if you do an experiment and you say, just get the work done versus get the work done and raise the stock price long-term there's you, you make your decisions differently. Yeah, I guess if you say so, it depends on, whether or not the the person feels that that's an incentive to them, do they own stock in the company? Do they have, do they have options? Because otherwise, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't really be all that interested in seeing the stock price go up other than it might be an indicator that the company is relatively healthy, although that that's that can sometimes be a um, a, a red herring. Okay, well, but the but, problem but, the problem is whether you have control over it. No, if you, you feel don't. like you have exactly, that's the point. Yeah. If you're seeing an indicator that somehow you're supposed to be uh, uh, helping with, and you have no feeling of control over that indicator, then that's not a motivator. That's but, that story I just put in the done column is not going to cause the stock price to go up a quarter of a point. Well, okay, I think you're. I think you, John, you're overthinking a little bit, but at the end of the day. Of why, I, 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 if you guys watched the video, I've got my mouth up because I'm, I'm, I'm amazed to say that, John, you would say that, hey, if, we're, if you work for a publicly traded company, we're trying to make money here, ultimately for our shareholders, and I know there's more to working than just making money. Okay, so let's take the incentive out of it. But I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to, let, let's be clear about something. I don't necessarily work to make money for a, st- a, st- a, st- a stockholder, okay? I realize that that's the purpose of a company, but that's not what gets me jazzed up to go to work every morning. And unless I have some direct uh, incentive tied to stock price, I really don't give a shit about the company's stock price. But those people have, I'm just putting coin in somebody else's pocket. Uh, uh, but John, you are deriving some benefit and value from that value stream. I, I think we're which probably is what, off the track. Oh, I think of, we are, but I think this is good. Okay. <laughs> well, because I'm. Welcome I, to the fi- financial Sunday news. Well, Sunday but, financial but, news. Well, no, 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 no. This is real life because I, I work with teams. They struggle to make decisions and they look for factors by which they can say how we're making decisions. If we say we have a team that's doing work that costs this much. And if we change our process, we can decrease the cost at which we can do the same amount of work. Long term to the organization, that's a good thing. Long term, yes, I know it is a little a bit of an extrapolation. You could say that those types of decisions made across an organization will positively influence the stock price. Maybe. Well, if, there's, if there has been a correlation drawn between the, the stock price of the company we used to do this at, at some big companies that I worked at where they would establish corporate goals, right? Corporate goals and visions. And then they would pass those down to departments, translate them into meaningful things for each department to say, uh, the IT department, this, this development department, you're going to contribute to the health of the company and to the success of the company in the following ways. And if you can accomplish these goals, your department will contribute to the bottom line of the company. So if I have a set of goals that roll up to uh, corporate level goals that can affect the health of the company, the uh, improve the bottom line of the company, improve the profitability of the company, then then I have I have a tie-in to that. But if it's just showing me a stock price in an elevator every day and helping me be mindful that if if I buy the twenty-five cent pack of uh, push pins as opposed to the 50 cent pack of push pins that I'm going to help edge up the stock price. Uh, you know, that's not going to work for me. Well, but put it this way, here's the value I want our listeners to take from this conversation. And John, I think it's great because this, this demonstrates, I think some of the challenges we have having good communication in the agile community. Many times, especially if you're in a publicly traded organization, the business is very driven by the stock price. And what you're saying, John, for you to understand the importance that that brings to the business, the business needs to help you as over in IT understand that better. Is that is Because that's what I'm getting from what you're saying. And trust me, I see that disconnect all the time where working more on, in, in the product owner portfolio space, the business understands the impacts of their decisions and what's being delivered. And then it doesn't always trickle down to the action, the decisions that teams make every day to ensure that they're doing the best things to promote value in the organization. Does that make sense? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. I was hoping maybe Lee was going to get me off the hook here. (laughs) Well, that's a real problem. Uh, No kidding. I mean, that's that's why you had. And people say, why do we have portfolios and stuff? And well, number one, that's to help you measure it and understand where your investments are going. But what I hope people are listening, regardless if you're in IT or if you're on the business side, 
If you're on the business side, you have an obligation to help your IT staff and your dev teams understand these objectives and these measures that John's mentioning, John's mentioning for how your organization creates value. And likewise, if you're on the IT side and you don't know and you're, you're questioning, I would ask you to have a conversation with your business sponsors or with your portfolio managers or whatever you want to call them. Even your product owner might know and start to learn about this because it's, it's valuable to ensure the sustainability of what you're doing. Definitely. Okay, so Lee, what do you think? Lee's been so quiet here because now we've we've turned into business first John over here. So and we have oh, put Lee sorry. to sleep. Oh. oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. Special sure. topic. Did someone Special said topic. something about business and stock prices. Well, okay. <laughs> well, let's get off that tangent. Squirrel. Yeah, let's and, go uh, back. Let's go back to the team celebration thing. And I well, had so, I had so taken I, a note before we went down the rabbit hole someplace I wanted to come back to. Well, I got one too. So why don't teams have bells? Yeah, I, that's actually kind of in, in along the lines of what I was thinking here too, Jason. It's that teams, I think it's difficult to come up with a way to help teams celebrate in a way that everyone is comfortable with. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why teams don't have bells. I've tried, I've tried a number of times to independently come up with ideas and ways to uh, help thank a team or to celebrate. Usually the best thing that works are the simplest things like, um, like having lunch brought in for the team one day and just giving everybody kind of a break, celebrate eating, eating some lunch. So hopefully some healthy lunchtime food and just relaxing. You know, one time I did uh, we had we had shirts we we had t-shirts made and someone was like oh I don't really wear t-shirts you know it's kind of a fashionista person and she's like I don't wear t-shirts so it's like oh strike that's a that's a strike you know it's just hard to find something that is interesting to everybody well, so but, what but do you I, what do you do in that case well I think we've already missed the point because what you're describing Jed in my opinion are incentives or rewards and and to me this is where. I guess a celebration is a specific type of reward. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 uh, I mean, ringing the bell is a reward, right? To the kids that are climbing the rope. That's, that's part of the reward of climbing the rope. There's also the sense of accomplishment that they get, but there's the reward of ringing that bell. And that's a celebration. It's also everybody else, all those other kids around them. That, that are that are yelling and 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 saying yay they did it and uh and being genuinely happy for them yeah and know? see that that's the part that i think is missing on a lot of teams it's the it's not the bell because you know we got we've got cruise control dashboards and all kinds of things and complicated burn up spreadsheets that kind of show that and maybe you do the story map thing i think we've got the we've got enough indicators and practices out there but i want to focus on the people and say that why don't we have the group around cheering for everyone else on the team to go ring the bell? Cause that's, that's where I think people struggle. Yeah. I think part, part of that is that um, people don't know how to give um, uh, kudos to some, but they may have other people on the team that they don't think necessarily deserve the kudos. And, but they'd also don't want to, to make that obvious. Yeah, but that's like parenting 101. That's like incentivize the correct behavior to promote what people should do. So, hey, hey, Lee, you did a great job today. Under my breath. Yeah, John was John loafed off and did whatever. You know, so Lee, I Lee, you were in the zone today. It was awesome. I really appreciated how you you helped us get that refactor done and we got that merged in and we built and we deployed. That I really appreciate that. And again, John, no disrespect, but we're going to emphasize the good thing. And I would hope a little bit of social dynamics in place to say, or uh, psychology by you seeing that would that influence your behavior? So I'm not the boss. I'm just another person working on the team with Lee. I think Lee did a great job and I go out of my way to make that known to everyone again, just to say, thank you, Lee. It would be motivating to me to hear, hear that and to be on the, the short end of that stick. And then it, but that's me, right? There also, I know, also no personalities where they would be like, screw Jason. Who, where does he get off uh, handing out 
compliments or criticisms and it would be a turnoff. But but again, that's where I think we have a bigger problem if that's the environment, because the team well, is yeah. intended to be self-managing and it should be you could look anyone in the eye and say, hey, you know, that rocked out. Leah was awesome. Or, hey, you know, John, um, this is tough for me right now. It's frustrating. And I don't know what it is, but uh, we got to figure out because it's just hard. And so, uh, you know, and, and talk to you about it. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but we have to commit as a, as team members that we're going to invest in figuring out how to have a good working relationship because we're in this together. So how does that fit with uh, like one of the rules of retros where it's the it's a team problem? It's not an individual problem. You talk about the the issue, not the cause and not not the blame. Well, well, that's that's where I think this gets again. This trust me, I was thinking a lot when I was at the gym watching the kids climb the rope tonight is it's because it's like in the retro, like, oh, it's this team thing that it has to all be team to where we don't ever do any type of individual recognition that as a result, we do no recognition. And then that that's where this becomes a problem. Well, I think that's it can happen in retros and you can give individual recognition. But I also agree with you. I think that specifically uh, the best for me, at least the best uh, uh, acknowledgement that I can get that that makes me feel good is when some other developer, not in front of everybody else necessarily. In fact, it would be better if it isn't in front of everybody else. But if they just say, hey, you know, I saw that that thing you did over with the with this piece of code. That was really cool. I like that. You know, that to me. You just jazz me with that because because it's it's professional uh, recognition right. of of what I of my work from somebody that I think actually has a, a good opinion as opposed to say my manager. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think that's in, a, a professional courtesy or a professional compliment is oftentimes uh, more rewarding than. Than one that's handed out by by a manager, like here's a five dollar gift card to Starbucks, you know, is a lot less rewarding than someone else on the team patting you on the back one day and saying, "Yeah, that was a great great piece of of work that you did the other day." Uh, I, I think a lot of teams have transparency issues. Uh, the ultimate in transparency would be able to have these conversations very frankly with individuals. Uh, but oftentimes, I think you're unable to get to that level of transparency, get a team to the level of comfort to have that level of transparency. And, you know, there are there are some companies that are radically transparent, and then there are others that, that think they're transparent but really aren't. And those are usually the ones that have the biggest problems is that they want transparency, but they're not really ready for it. So, and so let, I think part of the problem with uh, rewarding people on teams or one of the barriers to having individuals taking the initiative to thank and, and, and congratulate others on the team, Jason, is that companies, uh, their, their, their rewards programs, their compensation programs, are often set up in a way that creates adversarial relationships between people in the same roles so that you're fighting for, you know, if you and I and Lee are all on the same team, we're all senior developers, we're, we're fighting for forced rank positions uh, at the end of the year for our, our compensation review, our re- reward review, right? It's uh, so I don't want to prop, Lee up too much because he's already too good as it is. You know, I don't want I don't want the boss to hear me saying how good of a job Lee did because then that's going to mess up my chance to get an exceeds expectation and a big bonus this year. And that is where we have. It's funny I was doing the thumbs up thing here because I have to wonder. I thought the video is recording for John and Lee, but I don't know if mine's recording for whatever reason. But but the um the interesting thing is funny as we talk about how to integrate our picks into the podcast, but talking to Llewellyn Falco, uh, who actually wants to come on this agile life. We got to 
uh, we'll, we'll get him scheduled for a future episode. But he's actually going to be speaking at the Agile Games Conference this year. And one of the things he's going to be talking about is many times when we when you put a game or a system like this together, we ultimately incentivize the wrong behavior. Because if you're in a game or, again, the environment that you're talking about, John, what are you incentivized to do? You're incentivized to compete and ultimately you're kind of incentivized to win which forces all types of other anti-patterns like, hey, I got my cards here. I got my secret stuff and I'm going to keep it close hold because it's the way I'm going to get that big promotion. Right. And what Llewellyn's going to talk about is how that's just especially for games. That is so wrong. And instead, we should be incentivizing learning. And a lot of times games might be facilitated in a way that they don't they don't they don't emphasize that. And so they emphasize winning. And if we're emphasizing winning too much, we're probably eliminating opportunities where we could be learning and growing. So winning is OK. I mean, use use the example of winning in a in a sports environment where you're a baseball team, football team, soccer team, basketball team. It's March. You know, it's the beginning of April. It's March Madness time. So maybe we could use basketball. But that team is going to win and lose as a team. Even if I score 25 baskets in the game, if the team loses, we lose. And that's, you know, that's the nature of the sporting event in business, in, in corporations and organizations. I can win as an individual and the team can still lose and the team can win and I can still lose. Right, so we need to we need to take the I out of team. Well, or or again, that's where right off the back, we're already not following the things we talk about all the time. It is a self managing team. The business is a partner of the business or the customer, whatever you want to call it. They are a partner of the team. So this idea of the team versus the product owner, or the team versus the business, that again, that's not. That's not correct. If we were going to say that the large sporting activity that happens in March that we cannot say the name of because it's a trademark, but you all know what we're talking about because it involves playing basketball. If we were to say how how to make that agile, in reality, it should be everybody wins because they ultimately in the, the process of playing all those games, they ultimately each person learns how to play better. And that's how that becomes a metaphor for an agile team. Or an agile. Pr- that's this way. There's your let's let's turn that into a metaphor for a large agile framework about how to grow. Right. What is what? Talk a little bit more about the self managing part, Jason. Because I'll tell you why. Because I'm I'm hearing people in in the uh, in the agile community starting to misuse self managing and self organizing in a way that starts to mean we get to do whatever the hell we want to do regardless of what of what needs to be done. So can you yeah. clarify what you mean by how self-managing uh impacts or plays a role in the the incentive creating incentives for teams or rewarding teams? Well, let's almost kind of go full circle it's where we started tonight. Not that we're I don't know if we're done or not, but it's like for a team to self-manage you need to have a goal or, you know, uh, we talk about product vision. Maybe you have a product roadmap, but you have to have a goal. So like talking about gymnastics, that's my goal is to be able to climb that net and ring the bell. So step one, you've got to have a goal in place because that creates the ecosystem that keeps the team unified. Then you got to kind of sit down there. And I, I think the team needs to be given autonomy to say that, hey, that's the goal. Everyone agrees to the goal and understands it. What are you doing to work towards it? And that's that's hard. Leadership inevitably gets involved about there and they say, okay, well, we want to help out. And we're like, that's where Lee, you can jump in here because I think that there's the need to do a little bit of measurement to enable leadership to understand what's going on. So hence you're do you're building a project. Part of a self-managing team is to really keep to to keep leadership's expectations in check, the team needs to do something to basically help leadership manage risk. Does that make sense? So something to say that I like to say that autonomy to have a self-managed team is earned to say that, you know, the team 
needs to talk to their sponsorship. Hey, what do we need to do to show you that we're making good decisions? It's going to be different for every team sponsor, but the team needs to do that. And, and once they do that, then guess what? The team reports that information. Leadership has clear rules for if they need to help out. And guess what? Then the team can self-manage. So I have, sense? I, I have two points on that. One, uh, I, I think you're right on. And I would rephrase that last part to say, uh, do they need to find out what they need to do to build trust uh, from their from their sponsor? Yeah, sure. Trust, trust, or again, manage risk. There's lots of ways to quantify risk. And so figure out how to do that and then talk to your sponsorship about what level of risk is acceptable to you. And as a team, we agree to work within your risk threshold. And at that point, it's go out and have a go out and have fun. So the next thing that the my second point on that is I think to bring this back to rewards, I think one of the best reward kind of things that a manager could do is if they actually had some metrics that they could point to and say, look, over the last six months, the stuff that you guys were building um, impacted the company in these ways. And this is not something that, that a team necessarily gets a chance to see. And just to see that, that what they're doing is having some effect and having an impact and, and changing the way people work or or changing what the company is, uh, how the company is working, or or uh, or that sort of thing. Um, that is a huge boost to people on a day to day basis to know that they're they're having some impact on the company. So, so Lee is saying that if I'm the business and I go off and show a team how the awesome work the team has done to deliver value has raised the stock price, that would motivate Lee. Now, if you can actually make that direct link. Or it may not have to go all the way to the stock price. If, it, if you can say, you know what, um, this software you built has saved us $12 million over yeah. the last three quarters. So, some know? type of, the key is a, a baby, and again, I mean, I'm talking about stock price too much, but a quantitative measure of value. So yes. like non-negotiable. And again, if we're all in business, even if you're in a not-for-profit business, you're all spending money somehow. You may not care about making a profit, but you're, you're, you're doing things that create value. And so, yeah. And, and if anything, this to me is work that many times it kind of falls within the, act, the idea of portfolio management. Again, I see it in organizations where it's not being done exactly as you requested, Lee. So again, if you're a listener out there and you're a portfolio manager, Lee is saying this is the stuff you need to do to help teams better understand, keep them motivated and empower them to make effective decisions. It certainly can be a piece of portfolio management, but it doesn't have to be something as complex as portfolio management. We're talking about here, we're talking about a a simple practice if you take it back to like lean canvas for a second Jason and Lee, if you take it back to lean canvas and you say you know, as we're initiating a new project, we're going to at least have a lean canvas that says, here's the benefit that we're going to bring. Here's how we're going to measure that benefit and quantify that benefit so that we all know going into it, the, uh, the table stakes of us doing this is right here. You know, we could potentially save $10 million to $14 million for the company. And if you haven't done that base level of thinking when you're initiating a project, then God damn it, don't do the project. I mean, to take a few more, take another week or so and figure out, are we doing the right thing? It, you know, or, or is this just a, is this just somebody giving us a set of marching orders and saying, do this? And, well, and, and to me, that's product ownership. I mean, if, if there's a product owner, you got to make sure that you got to, I know we did an episode a long time ago where I kind of said product, there, there was a political aspect of being a product owner. The controversy was like way, this is like three years ago we did the episode. But it's, it's again, like, especially if you're a consultant, like you're working to support a client, you should be challenging your client to say, yeah, we could build this thing, but are you sure we really want to build it? You know, so it's like, ask questions, you know, okay, yeah, that's a great idea, but is if we build this thing, is anyone actually going to use it? Like, have you done a market analysis? Do you have any data? Or are we truly just kind of doing a pet project for someone that the sustainability of it might not be long term? I would I would even go further and say that the the priority, the number one priority of every product owner 
should be to quantify the value of whatever it is that you're building at the lowest level that you can possibly quantify it. If you can quantify it at the story level, holy crap, that's amazing. Oh my goodness. It's like, this is where we, we need to figure out how to do sound effects. Cause we need to, we need to like dub in the hallelujah chorus by Han, by Handel right now, since it's, it is <laughs> right. the, it is the Easter season for the, if you, if you are Christian. So it's like, Oh my goodness. Lee is saying we should measure things and we should make, Oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's heaven. <laughs> Fortunately for you, by the time we release this, the Catholics will once again be able to say that H word right now. We're, we're not allowed to, to say that because we are in the season of Lent. Oh, how do you as well? The H word? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this a new rule I don't know about at Lent? You know, me not being a... Uh... Not, the, not hell. We're not allowed <laughs> okay. to... Anyway, I don't want to get into religion on the show. Oh, oh come on. That's my favorite subject. I, I actually know. had... You know, I had a <laughs> joke recently. Atheist. Well, again, and if you, if you celebrate... If you, if, you are, if you are based upon which sect of Christianity you might be in, I actually... I had it was having a kind of conversation. So I said, what if we had like, like as a coach, you went to um, confession. So what have I done? What have I done wrong? You know, like if you've ever been a coach and or you're, you're I would take take the coaching out. Say, say this idea of just generic servant leadership. So you're serving people, you're helping them improve, you're helping them learn. That to me would be a very interesting way to get feedback. It's like I went to this and kind of haven't told anyone, and but I would really like to get it off my chest. I think it would make you feel better. So, but next week on this Agile Life, Jason Tice confesses his Agile sins to Father Lee McCauley. Oh my goodness! Oh <laughs> well, my goodness. I have to. I have to tell you, I am an ordained Dudist priest. Dudist, dude. Oh my goodness, squirrel. Oh, all right. Let's do it. So our, what have we, what have we learned tonight? Picks. What have we okay. learned tonight? My statement is, guess what? Number one, if anyone wants to do a controlled experiment, here's what you do. Talk to your team. Say, hey, team, let's try to do some fun little thing to see how uh, you give ourselves recognition. And guess what? Implement a system to track your happiness metric. And you know what? See, does it make us happier? Less or no, you know, you play Pharrell Williams in the background. I'm happy. So, but you could do that. So we would love it if someone would try that. And, you know, tell us if we've kind of abused your time tonight talking about this thing, because I think it's important. And again, more than likely, trust me, there are people on your team that will benefit from getting some recognition as we've discussed. And Lee, one thing I just want to mention, because you said you don't like recognition. I'll share for people like me that are, if you can't tell, like John and I are a little bit more outgoing sometimes. It makes me feel good to give recognition. So even if you don't like to receive it, you got to understand life is a two way street. And so maybe just by allowing me to give you some recognition, even if, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable, it's helping me out, which ultimately is going to help the whole team improve. So I have to say that I, um, I have learned in my later years that accepting gifts can sometimes be a really good way to create a bond not just giving them this week's hottest picks up first with his picks tonight is lee oh my gosh i'm constantly in the in the the first slot for the last several times this is awesome um you're just okay. stuck there in the show notes lee it's well i'll <laughs> shuffle you around next time that's okay um so i actually have two i've only put one in at the moment but uh, since we delved into religion i will throw in another one. There's a conference coming up in St. Louis called Gateway to Reason. So look up Gateway to Reason uh, conference. There are some fantastic uh, speakers there. And uh, if, if you're interested in that kind of, kind of thing, great conference. Um, also, back to analogies and Agile, I think there's a great uh, analogy uh, by uh, Paolo Caroli uh, called the Agile Bridge Analogy which it's great because he's actually got pictures from someone that is, uh, uh, that is building a bridge starting with just a footbridge. So two boards going across a river and they, he shows the, the progression of this bridge from just something that people can walk over to something that lots of people can walk over then entire, and then vehicles can go over. And it's a, it's a great analogy to, uh, to agile. Man, I think that guy stole my bridge analogy. Did he? That's all right. Well, I'll for fun, he has, he has hey, pictures. Hey, Lee, you know what I, I love about some that? Hand-drawn pictures that were really terrible. <laughs> so for fun, I'm trying to coach my yard guy in how to do an agile project. 
Because I said step one was to go clean out the woods. But then he said, he said, why do you want to clean it out? He said, I want to plant some grass eventually. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I got to bring in a bobcat because I got to level it. I was like, no, 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 no. Let's just clean out the woods and see what it looks like. And then we'll decide where to plant the grass. So I feel so sorry for that lawn guy. Oh, yes. (laughs) All right. I I hope you pay him a lot. (laughs) All right. It's my turn for my pick tonight. My pick is is an oldie but a goodie this is from i think this was published back in uh, i think 2000 february of 2012 it's a it's a brief article by jonathan rasmussen on the pragmatic bookshelf blog and it's called 10 tips for agile leaders it's a good little read check that out that's my pick for tonight jason what do you have i got two um and so uh, you guys will hear this uh for the first time after the conclusion of the Mile High Agile Conference in 2015, so we are recording a little bit in advance, uh, but I just want to say thank you to the um, the Denver Agile SIG since uh, I have an opportunity to present there, and we're going to have a great presentation. We I haven't done it yet, but I know it's going to be great, so we're going to record that, and Murphy's Laws hopefully will not prevail. Uh, so thank you to them. Um, they do meetups in the Denver area throughout the year. We'll put a link to them, so if you're in the Denver area, check out one of the SIG meetings. Uh, they do, I'm going to say, conference-level presentations throughout the year, so there's no reason to wait for the next Mile High Agile to go learn something. Also, again, plug this before, but this is important to me because it's something we're just trying in the St. Louis area. We're doing our first ever Agile Open Space Conference. Uh, registration's live now when you hear this. So if you want to join us on Friday, April 17th, 2015, uh, it's on the campus of Washington University. It's like 20 bucks. Actually, it's $21.69. I have to do some provoking to get John to show up maybe. And I'm going to do that buffet thing we talked about last time as a game. And I don't know. So put his way. It's open space. So it's whoever's there is what's important. So if it's there's 20 of us, that's awesome. If there's 50 of us, that's awesome. We hope if you're in the St. Louis area, Missouri area, you'll think about joining us on Friday, April 17th. If there's a real buffet, I think I might show up. I'm going to make again. I'm going <laughs> to we're going to I'm going to make pictures and I'm going to challenge you to think about your appetite. Lee, what is your appetite for agile? Watch out, Lee. I might thank you at the agile open space. <laughs> Oh, great. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll have a great story. Who knows? Maybe some people will show up and record a podcast or I don't know. That oh, could, it's Lord. open space. Anything could happen. I think I'm in. I actually think I'm in Las Vegas during those dates. Woo, John. John's got, a, John's got a new gig, I guess. That sounds cool. So. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening. Check out thisagilelife.com for these show notes and for all of our past episodes. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for doing the work and keep living this Agile life. This Agile life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.